Hello. Hey. Welcome to podcast. Welcome to podcast. I don't know why that has been. I've like said that in my head so many times in this past week. It just, anyway. Here we are. I have one little recommendation to make that you might enjoy. And maybe you've already seen it. I don't know. On Netflix, there is a series and it is called Beef. And it stars Ali Wong and Steven, uh, I think you pronounce it Yuan. Yuan, I think. Yun, okay. And uh, it's kind of like a, I would say dark comedy, but also just sort of like a character exploration type show. Mm -hmm. And has some like really funny moments and also some like really serious moments. And um, I really liked it and I wanted to recommend it to you. And uh, it's really cool also because it's, it's almost an exclusively Asian cast. And... Uh, I've read a lot of articles from the creators saying, like, you know, that they made this specifically because, like, you know, Asian characters tend to get very, like, stereotyped and, like, don't really get to be, like, whole complex characters very much. Mm-hmm. And these characters are definitely very, like, complex and multifaceted. And um, so thought it was worth recommending and checking out. Yeah, I'm really It's on our list. I'm really excited to watch it. I've heard a lot of good things. I've seen the preview. Davey watched the first episode while I was working the other day. And he's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to have to watch this together. Um, yeah. But I'm excited for it. And my coworker, uh, she is part of the Asian community. And mm-hmm. she said that for her, it's like the fir- want something she's seen, like a piece of media, like mainstream media, <laughs> that like yeah. is for and accessible to just anybody. That she yeah. hasn't seen, like, Asian people represented in such a way that wasn't so... That didn't lean into every single stereotype and every single thing you'd expect. And it just yeah. felt, for her watching it, like a, like a really beautiful experience, as well as just a great show. So I hearing that from someone I care about very much made me even more excited to watch it. So I'm, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I, and I love the actors. I love... Everything I saw while I was walking through the room as Davey was watching it, like, to get my coffee, I was like, ooh, I can't wait to watch this. I was like, yeah. I wanted to stand and watch it with him, but I didn't want to, like, know ahead yet, so. And I think I read that the creators are thinking of it, uh, like, provided they get greenlit for a second season, I think they're thinking of it as, like, an anthology-type series oh, nice. where, like, essentially beef is, like, in the sense of, like, conflict and having a grudge against someone. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're thinking of it as, like, it will, each season would center around this, like, central conflict between, you characters. know, some characters, but not that necessarily be, cool. be the same people. I love that. Yeah. I love anthology. I generally love anthology series. I do, too. I feel like they're a fun way to kind of, like, keep getting to tell new stories, but in a familiar setting. Yeah, and it, it feels like community theater to me, which I like. Uh, speaking of which, uh, White Lotus Season 3, I read an article that Belinda, the spa manager from Season 1 in the Hawaiian series, is going to be in Season 3. Oh, good. Maybe she has her own uh, resort because that's what yeah, she Yeah, maybe she's to like do. the manager of the spa or the whole resort now or something. I love her. I loved her in Insecure. I love her in this. <laughs> 
Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's all I got, though. We what did, we saw the Super Mario Brothers movie. Okay, I have strong feelings. I haven't. I've I've heard it's got good ratings, but I just I have a feeling. I have feelings about Chris Pratt being Mario. Yeah, I have feelings about Chris Pratt being Mario too. I. I'll say I really liked it. Um, okay. It surpassed my expectations. I initially just had feelings, Chris Pratt, about the accent. Period. Like it bothered yeah. me. Just, just yeah. the accent bothered me. And then, again, I just don't – it's hard. I don't – I you know, everyone has their own relationship with what they do as far as, like, when people in that you that make things, yeah. <laughs> that make media, and wh- how you want to choose to interact with them based on their beliefs or their actions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Pratt's a hard one for me. Yeah. And that whole concept is hard for me to be really transparent. I know this is, totally. you know, hard for people on many levels, and I hope this doesn't come off as anything other than how I feel, but I have a hard time with those things with, of course, things with my own identity sure. and things with identities that are important to me. So for me, the way I kind of look at it is I have to – when I look at how I approach things in general, I ha- I try to take the moral sort of feeling out of it and really look at how my thoughts are, like the thoughts that are happening mm-hmm. and like the actual things that are happening. And so when I saw this movie, to me, <laughs> I'm seeing a movie with somebody in it that has thoughts that I very much disagree with yeah, and that I can't change. Well, and that's s- the thing is like, I mean, there's so much... So much media, like, yeah. Anyway, you're there ultimately is... going through life, and if I were, if I were to become uh, hyper aware and focused on not on not supporting any organization or creator or anything out there that did things that I didn't agree with, I would be, de- I'd have to become dead. Yeah, the, I would right, have to there's... become dead tomorrow because I would have to stop eating most food. I would have to stop using most ways of transportation. I would have to stop going to most institutions. I'd have to quit jobs. I'd have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know. So I, there has to be a line I draw. And for me, I felt okay with seeing it, even though I have a real hard time with Chris Pratt because yeah. of obvious reasons and like the he... cluelessness that we that he kind of like tries to put around the topic you know what i mean like oh well yeah anyway taking that out of it (laughs) so i think the main thing for me was i i was like how can there be a mario movie without it's a me mario i do you know how they handle it no how okay i think it's really smart i had that was my biggest problem i took out all the other stuff and then my biggest problem is still how am i going to get past the accent because that's just his voice yeah they make it like um he starts out with the accent like in the very oh. first few scenes, um, him and Luigi, but they're doing an ad for their Mario Brothers um, plumbing service. Okay. And they're leaning into the Italian accent, and then like yeah. when the ad ends, they're like, oh, well, we hope this makes money for us. And people in their town kind of like make fun of them for, they live in Brooklyn, so Got people it. in their town make fun of them for leaning into this like stereotypical Italian accent. Gotcha. I think that's clever. Yeah. It made me feel better <laughs> as someone who had a big problem with that, watching it. And the um, movie overall was good. Oh, I mean, it, it was obviously very – it was a commercial for Nintendo for the most part, like a lot of these <laughs> things are. But it was beautiful. It was really well done. I lo- I'm a huge Nintendo fan, so I was who eating it up. Who played the princess? Was it Anya Taylor-Joy, I want to say? Uh, you are absolutely right. And Anya I love Taylor her. Joy. Um, oh, and Jack Black was Bowser. Okay. Keegan-Michael Keys was Toad. 
<laughs> yeah, and I like the way they did Toad, too. I liked a lot of it, and I, I overall was happy, and I think it was fun and enjoyable movie. It totally would watch it again when it comes out, like, at home, and uh, I think they were incredibly smart in the way they did it as far as, like, opportunities for a million type of sequels or TV yeah. shows or spinoff type things. Like, they just touched on things. Like, you thought they were going to go down a road. You know what I mean? Like, they made a lot of allusions to, like, how Luigi is in Luigi's Mansion without mm. ever introducing anything about Luigi's Mansion. But they made but him, they like, a... set it up for a Luigi's yeah, Mansion movie. totally. And, like, a lot of little things like that. Like, tiny little touches where you're like, oh, they're going to introduce this character. And you're like, they didn't, which means there's another movie coming. <laughs> Mm, yeah. Interesting. Okay. That's all I have, I w- but I really enjoyed it. I wonder how they'll do Like, I've heard rumors. I mean, there have been rumors for years of, like, a Legend of Zelda movie. And oh, I and yeah. Zelda, Link never speaks. And so I, and invariably, there will be that kind of stuff about, like, who they cast for him or his voice or whatever. So it'll be uh, interesting. Did you watch the cartoon versions of Mario and of uh, Zelda? I sure did. Uh, I sure did. Me too. I loved that. I loved them too. I don't. I'm sure they're <laughs> terrible, but I I loved them. Oh my gosh, me too. Well, I, I'm ready to I'm ready to rock and roll <laughs> like let's Lindsay do Lohan it. and Freaky Friday. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Well, we are in New Spring Chapter 17. Yes. And it's called An Arrival. The little icon is one of my favorites. It's so pretty. It's like ornaments. It describes ornaments online. Oh. And it's like two little pins with like yes. ornamental things hanging off them, like a moon and stars. Really pretty. And I've yes. been waiting for this icon ever since I looked up the Wheel of Time chapter icons. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's for uh, Cad Swan's Tarangreal ornaments. Yes. Okay. I was thrilled, as you could tell. I was already like, finally, this icon. You're like, yes, a new icon. Yeah. And you know what I noticed in, in these, so these chapters are, this chapter is Aes Sedai. We're back with the Aes Sedai. We're, we're leaving Lan for a moment. And yes. as we came back to this chapter with Moiraine, I was thinking, she's kind of reminding me a lot of Rand. I keep thinking of how she's reminding mm. me of the female characters in the uh, other books, like how she mm-hmm. is with Swan and just their sort of introduction to being Aes Sedai. But the more I think about it, her and Swan are both kind of reminding me of Rand in this book because Mm -hmm. they're so resistant to their fates. They're so resistant to what they believe their fate is going to be and they're fighting against it so hard. And the more they do that, the, the harder their experience is rather than just like, going with you know the wheel weaves and all of that stuff like as they (laughs) it's just so interesting to see that in them because later on it's like Moiraine's biggest frustration with Rand yeah is his resisting his fate and not wanting to go with it and not wanting other people to tell him what he has to do that's exactly what Moiraine's been doing until she left the tower yeah so I just thought that was really weird or really interesting I guess um yeah so we're with Moiraine and it seems that from the last time we've seen her, three months have passed. I was like, this is why this book is shorter, because we're cutting out mm-hmm. all the travel. And it also was like, okay, we're getting further in time, so I'm kind of like feeling more optimistic. Or um, it's piecing together how we can get where we need to go. Yeah. Uh, so Moiraine has been on this journey in disguise for three months. 
she's been very frustrated from her travels because she's not finding what she's looking for. She's trying to find the dragon. Where where was he born? And she's currently speaking to a, a woman named Jureen Najima, and she has lost her husband and some of her children. And yes. she's raising a bunch of them by herself. She's It's really sad. She's got like 14 kids left, it seems like, like a bunch. And she's Moraine looks at her and she seems like she's become very angular and frail over time. She's very sad. And uh, she's telling Moraine, who is in disguise as Lady Alice, which is how we see her at the beginning of uh, the first book. Mm-hmm. And as she's like consoling this woman... She's, she gives a sort of eyes to die type response. She says something about the wheel weaving and, you know, there's consolation in that. And then she realizes, like, oh, wait, I'm in disguise. I'm not supposed to be speaking this way. And if I wasn't eyes to die, I wouldn't be speaking this way. And uh, I also don't have that agelessness of an eyes to die yet. So she kind of looks like a kid giving advice to a widow who's, like, been through it. Mm-hmm. And the woman is like, okay, sure. Um, thanks. Okay, little girl. Yeah, okay, good for you. And <laughs> little girl. <laughs> little girl. <laughs> Can't wait for that return. Um, so the woman is going on further to Moraine, and Moraine is trying to be nice, but at this point she's feeling, I know this isn't who I'm looking for, um, but I have to kind of sit here and listen to this because I think what she's doing is she's feigning interest in um, these condolence visits to people, hoping mm-hmm. to find who she's looking for. Yeah. And that must suck because she's got to go through listening to all these people really, really upset. And Moraine is an empathetic person. So in looking for this, she's also putting herself through a lot of like turmoil. She is like, I'm sorry, you know, whatever. She realizes she's got the wrong house. And um, she walks out into the streets thinking, okay, one more to cross off my list. I wonder how many years I might be at this before I find somebody. Like, what if one of the other people who were sent out by Tamara already found him? Like, yeah. what am I? What is this even for? The weather is really overcast. It's gross and it's cold, and she wonders how people could be calling this new spring. It's freezing, <laughs> <laughs> and the streets are filled with a really diverse crowd from all over, including, like we've heard before, um, women who are wearing veils. So we know that they're in. Um, how did we say Kalum. it? Kanloom. 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 Where the women are wearing veils unusually to land in his last chapter. Oh, and then she sees a few women walk by who she recognizes her Aes Sedai. And so she doesn't recognize them. They don't recognize her, she hopes. She doesn't imagine they would because they're not from the tower. But she still, like, averts her eyes. And she makes her way over to her inn. The inn is called the Gates of Heaven, which is a very unfortunate name, I have to say, given... (laughs) Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Um, Doesn't make me feel confident that this is the greatest place she's staying. But she goes inside and she decides she's going to just head straight up the stairs, right to her room, try not to attract any attention. Because in the common room, there's a table of like five Aes Sedai. When she first got to this inn, one of them like I think clocked her pretty quickly and approached her. But they didn't know who she was. They're not from the tower. So they didn't suspect anything other than that she was a wilder and there happens to be another wilder in town whose name is mistress asher who's a little bit older and she i guess keeps to herself 
but the existence of a wilder wasn't super unusual, luckily for Moiraine, who is Lady Alice here. So she doesn't want to attract their attention. She already did before. This is the only inn in town she could stay at. She's trying to just kind of sneak up to her room. She's maybe a couple steps up, and she hears from behind, well, now this is a surprise. And she's like, oh, crap. <laughs> she turns around, and it's Laurel Tarsi, who is uh, Aes Sedai from the Tower, and Marion, and she's like, oh boy, it's all over now. <laughs> the jig yeah. is up, they're taking me back, this is it. Um, she's thinking to herself, I to die law, sort of, like they can't really interfere with what she's doing because they're not in the tower, but she also knows that even if they just said the wrong thing, uh, I guess I'll just read from the text. That, quote, if either said the wrong thing here, word that Moiraine Demidred was wandering about in disguise would spread with the sisters in the room, and it would reach the wrong ears as surely as peaches were poison. I really like that last part. <laughs> surely <laughs> as peaches were poison. Uh, but so she's really tense, and she also can't lie. <laughs> so she's just wondering what someone's going to ask her. And there's a silence between them. They're just kind of standing there. And from the table of sisters nearby, uh, Falana is how I was reading it. She calls over. Uh, she's the one who kind of approached Moiraine initially when she got to the inn. And she's like, don't even try with her. You know, she's a wilder. And we've already tr told her she should go to the tower and she's got no interest. And so Moiraine is like, that's right. I have no in interest in enrolling as a novice at the tower. <laughs> Phew. <laughs> yeah. And the sister's kind of like, she could see an understanding in their face of like what is going on. And Moiraine's um, like, what are they going to say? And I think Marion says, leave her alone then. She has no interest in being a novice, as she says. And so Moiraine is like, okay, all right, I'm good. And she's like, I'm just going to go up the steps. But from up the steps, she hears a voice saying that she'd probably do well to spend about another 10 years as a novice, basically. And it's a voice that she recognizes. It's the voice of someone named Katswan. Mm -hmm. And Katswan is a green sister who is incredibly powerful. I think she's like the most powerful Aes Sedai allegedly out there right now. Um, she's legendary. She, she has a, a tight grape on... And I imagine she has, like, the hairpins with these ornaments hanging from them. And yes. it's described as having crescent moons, birds, stars, and fish. I mean, it's starting to sound a little bit like Lucky Charms. <laughs> like I was thinking the Lucky Charms <laughs> theme there for a second. Now <laughs> with rainbows. <laughs> but I love it. Um, I don't know how I feel about her yet, but I love this experience of Cat Swan. Yeah. So she's a very legendary woman in in the Aes Sedai world. Many thought she was dead for a long time until she showed up during the Aiel War. And, uh, quote, it was said she bent tower law where it suited her, flouted custom, went her own way, and often dragged others with her. So she kind of does what she wants. Mm -hmm. Nobody can tell her what to do. She's like a honey badger. <laughs> and it even says that Amarlins have allegedly, uh, Amarlins like plural, have stepped cautiously around her and that she even has a rumor that she assaulted one of them. What's going on? <laughs> what is going on? She really okay. is honey badger Sedai. For real. <laughs> so she orders Moiraine to be brought along with her and the other two sisters to a private 
like dining area and they kind of march along bringing her with them and Moraine doesn't want to go she technically doesn't have to but she feels herself like I'm gonna go because she just commands that presence with her um she feels like she has to go not not in like compulsion kind of way she just feels like she has to go is what I mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) um she follows along and once they're in the room uh more privately Catswan is like kind of circling around the room the other two sisters are sitting down and Moraine is ordered to stand in in between them before them and she basically asks her like why are you in disguise so far from the tower most women who have been raised Aes Sedai cannot would not take this their shawl off for a second, which is like exactly what they were saying. She was saying, mm-hmm. and she says she there are many like strong fighters in the borderlands, and she doesn't have a warder yet. And many sisters come to the borderlands for warders. And Catswan pauses behind the sisters and asks them both individually to tell them what they know of Moiraine. And they get, it's like a they get very like parent teacher conference type answers like she's a good student but she's yeah. very like mischievous but not cruel. They both basically give the same tale that she's been a prankster with her best friend Swan, who she's very very close with, her bed sister, her pillow sister, I think they call her or something like that. Yeah, um, that they're both very pillow powerful. friend, pillow yeah. friend. Thank you. Um, but they're both very powerful. They that Roy Rangers requires some seasoning. And Moiraine doesn't like this. She feels, like, very exposed. She doesn't know why they're talking about her and Swan's closeness. She's very defensive over that. It's super important to her. Uh, she doesn't know why they are... Now, they like, this woman knows she's completely vulnerable. Stripped down in front of her. Stripped, like, uh, Christina Aculeras. <laughs> she basically asks if she could be excused. She says, um, she, I think you know quite enough about me. And Katswan is basically like, you'll leave when I tell you to. Now pour us some wine. And <laughs> Marine's like, okay. And uh, the sisters seem suspicious themselves. They don't even seem to know why Katswan's so interested in Marine. They ask her, like, what's, what is the big interest in her? And Katswan basically explains that their numbers are dwindling in Aes Sedai in general, number one. Number two... The, like, amount of powerful Aes Sedai left, like, in her, in her level are, like, non-existent. It seems yeah. like Catswan is basically the, the tip-top. And there's, like, a, about, like, five sisters that are, like, near her. And they're, they're still a sharp drop from her. And, like, she mentions Karine and a few others and says, like, we need strong sisters. And Moiraine and Swan fit into a category of, like, stronger sisters. So they're important. And mm-hmm. um, they don't still don't understand, like, but why? What's so important about them? Like, do you think that they're important because they're going to inspire more powerful sisters to come to the tower, like, increase the numbers? Like, I, we still don't understand. And she basically says that she doesn't want her potential wasted before it's too late. And she instructs... This part was a little confusing to me. She says something to Moiraine that, like, really bothers her so let's put a question she says um before you find a warder like that child a brigand who wants to see what's in your purse will put an arrow through your heart a footpad who'd faint at the sight of a sister in her sleep will crack your head uh basically she's saying like you don't you're so new to being Aes Sedai you don't have the sort of like ageless look about you that would keep you safe without a warder and so we are 
she's basically like instructing Marion and La- Laurel. What's her name? Yeah, yeah, Laurel. Uh, to say like, look after her to keep her safe because she is has great potential, but she's essentially not there yet, and she doesn't have a warder to defend her. Gotcha. So this mainly bothers Moraine because it's just another example of her like putting her down, da- like making her feel like little girl, like you're not exactly. strong enough yet. Exactly. Okay. I wasn't really sure why this was bothering her, but that makes sense. So, yeah, so she's feeling very dressed down in this in this moment. And um, she doesn't like this power being taken away from her, that she's going to have to be watched over by these two Aes Sedai. She's on her mission. She's very solitary. She doesn't feel comfortable with that anyway. And she really doesn't like being made to feel like she has to be watched. Yeah. And so it's a lot of... Pro- and. To be honest, neither of the Aes Sedai seem to really want to do it either. One is more on board than the other, but neither is really into it. Catswan doesn't care, though. She's like, whatever, it's agreed. Uh, we'll compromise. You can leave in a couple days together. Um, but that's it. You're all staying here for now, um, since your schedules don't line up. Sw- uh, Moiraine, or, yeah, Moiraine, you're not going anywhere. You'll stay here and wait until the two of them are ready, and then you can all go to Ch- Ch- Chachin? Chachin? Ch- Chachin. Chachin together and the two sisters leave and Moraine says to Kat Swan before she leaves as well that she agrees to nothing and that if she has more pressing matters that can't wait she's going to leave early and Kat Swan like totally schools her uh she says that she has a lot to learn she's not going anywhere she says quote you will take great risks in your life if you live long enough you already take more than you know heed carefully what I say and do as I say I will check your bed tonight, and if you are not in it, I will find you and make you weep as you did for those mice. You can dry your tears afterward on that shawl you believe makes you invincible. It does not. And she's referring to when uh, her and Swan put the mice, or attempted to put the mice, in um, Elida's bed before Yeah. Before um, they were full eyes to die. They were raised. Yeah. I mean, this just kind of, like, is a sucker punch to, to Moiraine. Yeah. Like, her, her like... F- one moment of bravery, like, I'm not going to do what you say. Katswan is like, you're going to do exactly what I say. Yeah. And she dismisses Moiraine, who, like, she doesn't want to leave. She, has, she hates taking these orders, and she knows she doesn't have to, but she finds herself, like, obeying, because that's just the presence that this woman has. And she walks out feeling like, I have so many more questions than I had answers before, which we know is not Moiraine's favorite thing. And that yeah. is the end of my chapter. Mm. Hmm. Well, my chapter picks up right there. Chapter 18 is called A Narrow Passage. Uh, and the sigil is the two faces facing each other, which means it's an Aes Sedai chapter. Mm. And we're still in Kanlum. <laughs> um, and Moiraine is back in the common room of the inn and is, you know, wishing that she had Swan around so that she kind of had somebody to watch her back and, you know, talk to about all of this stuff that's going on and, uh, you know, help her find the Dragon Reborn. And uh, as she's looking out into the street, she sees somebody who she's like, wait a minute, I know I was just thinking about Swan, but what would Swan be doing here? But then she sees the woman's face again, and she's like, holy fuck, that is Swan. So she follows her out into the street, and it's like, what could she possibly be doing here? And she's like, oh, God, Siren, uh, the Amerlin must have found out about this, and, you know, it would be just like her to send Swan to fetch me back. And, uh, you know, basically, 
to make me suffer the whole way back worrying about what would what punishment awaits me. And Swan is kind of like leading her forward and they duck into a side alley. And Swan is kind of like frantic and not really like fully herself. Mm-hmm. Not not the confident, you know, sure, steadfast Swan that we're so used to seeing. Um, and she's like, oh my God, Moraine, please tell me you've already found him. Please tell me that this uh, Najima boy that of the family that she had just been visiting is is him so that we can like give him over to the tower with a a bunch of sisters watching while we do it um so that it it can be done and moiraine is like calm down (laughs) take a xanax uh and tell me what's going on like why are you so worked up what are you doing here and that's when swan drops the bomb that basically they're all dead. Um, all of Tamara's searchers are dead. Um, Aisha, Karene, Ludice, Mylin, Valera, they're all dead. Um, and Moiraine is like, what? And it, Swan explains that Aisha supposedly was killed by bandits. Uh, Karene supposedly fell off of a ship during a storm. And she's like, but I know that that's not it, it there's too many deaths and it's too coincidental for this to have actually been happenstance. Right. And so she says that she had planned to go to Malin's rooms to tell her her suspicions and, and talk to her about that. She thinks these women, these searchers are being killed because Malin had like come back to the tower. And so she snuck into Malin's room and slept under or like went under her bed and she said that Malin never came back to her room, but the next morning, Chesmal Emery announced that Malin had been found dead in her sleep. And Swan is like, I know that's not true because I was below her bed. Mm. And she says that there were no marks on Malin's body, no poison was used. And so she's like, that means she has to have been killed with the one power, which means you know, that that another I said I killed Mylin. And she's like, and we know that Tamara supposedly died in her sleep as well. And so between her death, Mylin's death, and the death of all of the other searchers, like this is too big of a coincidence. And so like kind of at the same time, she and Moiraine come to the realization that this must be the work of the Black Aja. Which is something that neither of them have ever really talked about, because as we know, I said I don't like talking about it, and uh, some choose not to believe it. And it, this seems like the first time that Swan and Moiraine realize that the Black Aja must exist, in fact. Mm-hmm. And Moiraine is kind of like, oh my god, how many could there be? Like, you know, 50, 100, 200, like more than that? What it could be? a nightmare number of Black Aja. We don't know any one of them could be Black Aja. Any one of their warders could be dark friends, for that matter. Anybody that we pass in the road could be a dark friend. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, they kind of like piece together what happened and realize that Tamara likely did not just coincidentally die in her sleep, but was in fact tortured by the Black Aja. And that's how they got the names of all of her searchers, where they tortured them out of her uh, before they killed her. And then tracked down all of the searchers and killed them as well. 
And as they've pieced this together, um, Moiraine mentions Katswan and her like reappearance and um, Marion and Laurel. And she's like, Katswan could be Black Aja, but who knows? Maybe she's one of Tamara's searchers as well. And we just didn't know because she was out of the tower. Um, we don't know really what to make of her, but regardless, they decide to come up with a plan. And that plan is that Swan should ride ahead to Chachin, and Moiraine will wait until Kat Swan checks on her in the morning, mm-hmm. and then will also ride toward Chachin, where they will meet up again. And on the way, Moiraine will uh, check in on another family uh, who was in the name books that they uh, collected when they were searching out all of the mothers who had given birth. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, that's a plan. Uh, we'll see you there. And so Moiraine returns to the Gates of Heaven Inn and, you know, learns that she has to share her room with another woman and is like, ugh, she, if the innkeeper knew I was Aes Sedai, she would never have done this to me. But uh, this woman just, like, is nonstop chattering and then kind of a bed hog with mm. icy feet. And so Moiraine is like, ugh, it's the worst. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine staying at a hotel and then being like, <laughs> somebody else is in your room, by the way? Oh, No. I would be like, absolutely not. I would lose my... I don't even like being on an airplane next to somebody like that. Ugh, yes. Or on a... You know what I mean? I'm going to be in a room. Right. Sharing a bed. That was scarier than anything I read in any of these chapters. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You're like, forget the Black Aja and all the murders. So, uh, as she promised, Kat Swan does check on Moiraine and finds her in bed. And... I think Kat Swan mutters like fool girl or something like that or little girl, little girl. And for anybody who doesn't know that reference, it's from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> and then once Kat Swan leaves, Moiraine immediately like gets up, packs up her her belongings as much as she can carry, basically, because she knows that she can't really take all of her saddlebags without attracting a bunch of attention mm-hmm. uh, and leaves her room with the intention of getting on her horse and following after swan and that is the end of my chapter chapter 18 mm. what did you think of these two chapters what did you make of cat swan i at first was very suspicious of her mm-hmm. uh just because it felt like so foreboding yeah <laughs> she was finally about to go up the steps and then there's this new character yeah and every time i see a moon or stars i get worried about land fear you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i actually feel like I trust her. I think she's a good character. I think she's a good guy. Okay. And I would imagine she was in communication with the old Amberlyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I trust her. And based on her, like, wanting good good things, it seems like, for Maureen and Swan. Um, I really liked her character, though. I liked how, when Maureen was leaving here, like, the items that she was, like, sewing into her clothes and stuff that she could, like, carry were mm-hmm. the same items that we see her carry with her when she shows up in the Two Rivers. Mm-hmm. Like, her little comb and her, her uh, mirror or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember her having those when she goes there. And I was like, oh, okay. We're, she's, she's gotten rid of everything. She's traveling light. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think my theory is that she's not going to um, find... Rand in the way that she thinks she's going to. Like, she's he's not going to be on the list, I don't think. Mm, okay. I think something is going to happen that's going to... It seems like everything is very, like, wheel-weavy, tapestry, Carol King-y, getting them mm. to, a, uh, to the 
the place where they're going to meet um, Rand and where she's going to connect with Lan along the way. It's going to be good for him because he's trying to get out of this bond with somebody else, um, which would explain why Moiraine really wanted him to be bonded to another Aes Sedai right away when mm. she, if she were to pass later on, when she, quote, mm. if she were to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of explains that to me because, like, it's for his own good because maybe this person still has their golden crane out for him or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, that. That sounds like a euphemism for a boner for him. It does, right? She's got her uh, golden crane out. Yeah. So I, I like all of the things that are, like, being laid down here because they're kind of, like, making sense for later on, you know? Yeah. And, uh, like, how they're all going to meet. And I don't think Rand is going to be on the, li- the list because that's too easy. It's going to be, like, just like Moraine and Swan are, like, these one-offs that probably aren't known to be in on this plan because they're kind of in on it on their own. In the same way that that was unexpected, I don't think it's going to be expected, like, how they find him, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. What was uh, What was your favorite part? I think my favorite part is the exchange between Swan and Moraine. Like, I just, like... You didn't expect to see Swan pop up in this context, no. so I, I always think it's fun when you're like, wait a minute, I did not see that coming. And then the, um, you know, puzzling out of how dire this situation is and how much danger they could be in and the future, the fate of the world also um, mm-hmm. in danger because essentially all of their allies have been murdered and it's sort of, they might be the last ones who have any hope of finding him before the black aja do yeah um so i i thought that was a fun exchange that was about you that was my favorite part too that exchange between the two of them and even though it's like all dire things like oh my god all the good guys are dead (laughs) yeah you know all of that it in a weird way it made me feel hopeful for current timeline when we fast forward back because right now where things are with our emmons fielders the state of the tower is terrible. It's yeah. like terrible, terrible, terrible. And it seems like there's possibility for like the second tower to happen, maybe, but maybe not. And it just feels so hopeless. Yeah. It feels so hopeless for the Aes Sedai. But seeing that there was a time when it kind of felt hopeless for a lot of them before. Yeah. Um, and when we started out the books... I would have never known <laughs> that there was, like, this urgency in the tower other than their numbers dwindling. Mm-hmm. But, like, it didn't feel this way. Uh, it felt like they had everything under control. You know, things yeah. were, like, the tower was a safe place and everything was going according to plan. Secretly, secretly, Swan had this thing going on with Moraine, but it was, like, all in order. It didn't feel until, like, Elida came in and effed everything up. So it makes me feel like, okay, I'm hopeful that they can rise up again. Yeah. You know, anyway. Yeah. Ooh, I can't wait to see them. Yeah, we'll find out. We're getting close to the end. Did you know that for $0 a month, zero, you can help support our podcast by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whatever platform that you're using to listen to us on? That's right. And also, uh, most people try a podcast because a friend recommends it. So if you're enjoying our show, which I don't know why you would be listening to like five seasons in if you weren't enjoying our show, but uh, go tell somebody else to enjoy it as well. Yeah, and if you're enjoy if you're not enjoying our show and you're listening to us still at this point, there are some serious things you need to consider about life. <laughs> but first, consider going to our social media at Cool Story Pod on Instagram or Cool Story Pod One on Twitter. You can email us coolstorypod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. 
reach out. Yeah. Also, we do have a Patreon. So if you're really enjoying it and you want more content, go to patreon.com slash nnmat. Uh, we do movie reviews, we play games, etc. So it's just a good old fun hoot and a holler. It's a hoot and a holler. <laughs> if you want to support us, another way you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash nnmat. Thanks for listening to Cool Story. See you next time.